Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to thank our listeners and fans, especially those who have given us reviews. Reviews help other people find our podcast. This one comes from Jenny Lyon. Inspiration overload. If you or someone you know is struggling, this is for you. The episode with Rachel Despain was so inspirational. Thank you for this gem. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for listening and for your five-star rating and review. And we will make sure that Rachel knows you found her episode inspirational. Talaya Dendi is a cancer doula, cancer thriver, and podcaster who has dedicated her career to supporting, empowering, and advocating for people diagnosed with cancer. She developed a fulfilling career path from cancer patient to founder of On the Other Side LLC, a cancer navigation enterprise. Talaya, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm happy to talk with you today. Thank you. So can you take us back to the beginning? When did your cancer story begin? And and also, because of your bio, I would like to know what were you doing for a career at that time? Absolutely. So actually, my cancer journey started a year before I was actually diagnosed. Of course, at that time, I didn't know that then, but um, in 2010, I went to my primary care doctor and I had told her that there was a lump uh, on the left side of my neck. She basically dismissed that lump as a pulled muscle uh, because I had been working out a lot. She's like, oh, just don't worry about it. It's probably a pulled muscle. So actually, Andrea, that's when it started. What muscle could you have pulled in your neck? I just want to know (laughs) what muscle. I don't know. And I probably should have asked myself that as well at that time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, unfortunately, Andrea, I did not um, get further advice or care at that time. There was just so much going on in my life and within my family. I was trying to help out some family members trying to climb the corporate ladder. None of those are valid excuses for taking control of my health. I've since learned. Uh, But uh, in 2011, I went to a different primary care doctor that was suggested by my mom. That primary, primary care doctor, after my physical exam, I told her about the lump on my neck. She looked at it. She touched it. She asked questions. She looked very concerned. And so I knew that something was wrong. And uh, she said, well, I'm not really sure what's going on, but I would like for you to go in as soon as possible and get an ultrasound. So I had just started a new job. I probably had been there about a month, Andrea. So of course, I'm afraid to say, hey, I need to take time off um, to go to this this, um, ultrasound. But I scheduled the ultrasound. I went there. And the technician, she just kind of looked at me. Again, I could tell something was wrong. She's like, well, we're going to 
you know, I'm going to give this to the doctor, see what he says, someone will call you. But I knew by her reaction that something wasn't right, just her physical and reaction and energy. So then um, that came back as inconclusive. They wanted me to do a fine needle aspiration. So um, that came back in, in uh, inconclusive, excuse me. And then ultimately I had a biopsy of that lymph node. And that is what confirmed that I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. So after going through that whole process, Andrea, which was about a span of a month or so, um, I got that diagnosis and uh, I was actually driving home on my way from work on a Friday and got that call from a nurse. And she said, you know, um, I have some news to share with you about your, your results. You do have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was driving. I had to pull over because I'm like, okay, what? Huh? And I knew it was something wrong. I just didn't expect it to be cancer, of course. And so I just started firing off all these questions and she stopped me. She said, honey, I can't answer any of those questions. She said, but my husband did have Hodgkin's lymphoma several years ago and he's doing fine today. And that just kind of went over my head. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not fine right now. <laughs> so, um, so what I did was <laughs> I stopped um, because on my way home, there was a TJ Maxx that I would pass every day. So I stopped, got out of the car, walked around TJ Maxx and just was like, what did I hear? What did she say? You know, cancer, what? <laughs> and so really I, I was walking around TJ Maxx looking for answers, I guess, in a sense, and trying to calm my nerves. So I got myself together, drove back home, called my family, let them know the news. They, of course, had as many questions as I had. And so I said to them, I know that you're concerned. I am as well, but I don't have any answers for you at this time, unfortunately. Thankfully, again, it was on a Friday. I asked them to give me some time to just really work through this. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing at that time, Andrea, but it was just like God and, and my inner spirit was saying, you just need to take some time for yourself. So that weekend, um, I didn't go anywhere. I cried. I prayed. I was angry. I went through every emotion possible. But at that time, Andrea, it was the best thing that I could have done for myself because it allowed me to empty myself in a sense and take charge that Monday morning and start making the calls that I needed to make. How long ago was this? Uh, 2011, 11 years. 11 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And how old were you? I was 36 at the time. Okay. So you were quite young. What yeah. was the next step? What did you do? So the next step, um, that Monday, I made some calls to um, a um, healthcare center in my area. They got me connected with the oncologist. And so that's when the testing started. And there were so many tests, so much information, because what they wanted to do was stage me. And that means determining, you know, what level of cancer you have. Right. 
And then they started with um, bone marrow biopsy. I had that done to determine if cancer was in my bones. And so that staging helps them to understand the level of cancer if it has spread from the, the main site or anything like that. Thankfully, it had not. I didn't have any cancer in my bones. And so that's when, after all the testing and going over the results with my oncologist, that's when we um, started putting together a care or treatment plan. What stage did you end up being? Stage three B. So now very serious. A year or very serious. A year earlier, it could have been stage one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any other symptoms? You know, Andrea, I was really tired, but I just was like, you know, I'm always on the go, you know, I'm working a lot. I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder. So I just attributed that to just always being active and busy. Um, But, you know, closer to my diagnosis, I was um, itching a lot in that area. Hmm. And then um, I started having night sweats. But that wasn't until really my diagnosis, when the diagnosis had taken place, but prior to the actual diagnosis, it was just really fatigue. Wow. Mm-hmm. What was the treatment plan? Yes. Yeah, so I had six months of uh, chemotherapy, the ABVD regimen, and then also a month of uh, radiation following right up after that. Okay. And what was that like? Boy, I would have to say the chemotherapy, I did really well on that. Um, I had a head full of hair up until probably I would say four months into it. And then that's when my hair uh, started coming out, but it I never had to have it shaved. So I just cut it down really low. Um, the chemotherapy, really my biggest issue with that was fatigue. I never got, you know, as far as throwing up or anything like that. Um, The radiation is what wiped me out because as you can imagine, my body had already been through so much, but the radiation, I was really extremely fatigued. Um, And to me, in my case, that was worse than the chemotherapy. And you had radiation for a month? I had a radiation for a month. They had done radiation on my neck. And then also I had developed nodules in my chest area or tumors, I should say, in my chest area. So in the neck and chest. And that was every day? And my neck is still discolored every day, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, I had a special parking spot right in the front. It was the same time, Monday through Friday for a month. And, you know, um, the preparation and the total treatment itself, I would say no more than 20 minutes. So every day, you know, making that drive, not feeling the best, and then in and out in 20 minutes, driving back home. So it was a lot. Wow. Now you mentioned climbing the corporate ladder and you had just gotten a new job. So what were you doing at the time and how did this diagnosis affect it? Yes, I was actually in supply chain. And so um, I was working with a uh, medical device company. It affected my career because it really made me stop and think about what is it that I really want to do? Am I really happy with this? 
Um, and then the also, Andrea, what was the answer no. to that question? No, no, <laughs> no you're not. No. no, I'm doing this. Here's the answer. You're not happy. And you're doing this because society said you should go to college, climb the corporate ladder, and that means you're successful. And so I really evaluated, Andrea, my entire life. And I also questioned if the level of stress that I was experiencing in my work contributed to me getting sick. Um, I was never sick before other than the flu or a cold. Never stayed a night in the hospital, never had a broken bone, anything. So that was a huge shock to me. And I, I really questioned, um, am I living a balanced life? No. Am I happy in other areas of my life? Some yes, some no. But in my work, it really made me see that, you know, this is not really something that I get joy and fulfillment. I get financial fulfillment. But that was about it at that point. So I'm going to come back to cancer in just a moment. But I love this this line of thought. What changes did you make, if any? Yeah, absolutely. So I started putting myself first more. I always looked after other people. I was always that go-to person. So I started learning how to say no. I actually um, started looking at relationships with people that I thought were friends and even family members who were toxic and needed to really reevaluate or even end those relationships to protect my mental peace. Um, I really started eating healthier than I was. You know, um, at that time, I was consuming a lot of sugar and I um, really worked towards moving away from that um, and just eating healthier than I was. Um, So those are the main things, just really learning to put myself first and being okay with that. So Talia, you finished the chemotherapy, you finished the radiation, then what happens? So I uh, met with my oncologist. We went over all of my test results and it indicated that there was no evidence of disease at that point. So I, of course, was very happy about that. And then he shared the news with me. Well, you know, here is your survivorship care plan, which was very helpful and still is. However, he said, well, we'll see you in three months. And I was like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) And he's like, well, you know, you don't have to come back here every week. Um, You know, you can start to pretty much get back on with your life. I had been on uh, six months of disability. And so we were going to just follow up with each other before the end of the three months to see where I was and if I was able to go back to work. So I did transition back to work part time. And then um, after that three-month hiatus, we decided that, okay, I was healthy enough to go back to work full-time. And so not being able to see my oncologist for three months was uh, a little nerve-wracking because I was so used to having that care every week. Well, and during radiation, you went every day, right? Every day, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you almost had a community that disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things that I say is really tough. Um, you know, you, you're working very closely with your healthcare team, hopefully, 
for many months. And then all of a sudden the treatment's over and it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see you later in three months, six months to see how you're doing. But, you know, if you're not having any major illnesses or symptoms or anything like that, you know, you're fine. You don't have to, to follow up with us until three months or so. So that was very nerve wracking. You know, of course, every sneeze or ache or whatever, I'm like, oh my God, is, <laughs> is cancer back? Um, and I stopped worrying about cancer though, um, when I reached that five-year mark. Okay. You go back to work mm -hmm. to the job that was stressing you out in supply chain that was financially rewarding, mm -hmm. but perhaps not otherwise. What happens next? Because I know you did change your life professionally. Did you mm -hmm. stay in that job, in that career for an extended period of time? Great question, Andrea. So I stayed in the career. However, I did not stay in that job because I didn't care for how they responded to my diagnosis, um, particularly the manager himself. I don't think he really cared for me before the diagnosis. Someone else had hired me mm -hmm. and then he stepped into that role after I was hired. So I don't know what that political beef was <laughs> before right. I entered, but um, there was already some bad vibes there that I felt anyway prior to cancer. But then when I had to share that diagnosis with him, I, I just felt like, oh, see, you know, I, I know we shouldn't have, that person shouldn't have hired her. He didn't say it. That's just what I felt. Well, he better not have said it. <laughs> 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 and so, and so he was more concerned about, well, when are you coming back to work? Um, he would email me weekly, even though my doctor what? was sending, even though my doctor was sending documentation, keeping them updated about, Hey, this is where she is in her treatment. This is uh, how long I think she'll be out. And, you know, just keeping them updated with documents, information, and um, I think the fact that I was out for six months didn't sit really well with him. Then also I was a fairly new, I was a new employee really. And so that probably didn't sit well with them. HR did their, the best that they could, but they weren't, there aren't, they are not trained to support cancer patients. They might be now, I don't know, but I just didn't like the way that I was treated. I felt like there was tension there prior to cancer and cancer just added to that. So I came back to work. Of course, that was awkward. Um, you could tell people didn't know what to say or what to do. Uh, one lady was like, wow, you're just so, so tiny. You know, you were tiny before, but God, you're just really tiny now. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What was your worst moment? having to tell my mom and then watching my mom go through it with me. Really? Yeah. I felt really guilty about that because I had lost a lot of weight. My mom lost even more than I did no. from worry, from worry. Yeah. Oh my and, goodness. you know, she was my caregiver. So, um, she would of course go to work, um, and then I would have my treatments, I think, on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday, because, you know, many people know when you get chemotherapy in about two to three days, you just feel horrible. Right. 
And so yeah, it's about timing. It's about timing. Yes. And so I would have the weekend to start to recover. <laughs> um, and so I would have my treatments on Wednesdays and my mom would come and stay with me um, until the weekend. Thankfully, her job was very flexible. So my mom would, I would pick up my mom on my way to treatment. She'd go to treatment with me at, when it was over. We'd stop. I always had Panera, <laughs> cream of chicken and wild rice soup. That was my personal celebration <laughs> for getting through chemo each time. And so we'd stop and have our Panera soup because I knew that was going to be the last time I'd probably be able to enjoy something. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, we get back to my house and she would monitor me for uh, a couple of days. And then like on a Saturday, she would go back home and do whatever she needed to do for herself to prepare for work again that following week. Wow. Now, did she yeah. live close by? She lived about 20, 25 minutes away at that time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not, not too far, but not, not, too not, far. not right next door either. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. She lost more weight than you did. She did. She did. And, you know, Andrea, at the time, um, I felt really guilty about that. And we talked about it many years after. And um, she was like, I just didn't know what to do. I felt helpless. Yeah. And I said, you did everything. You did everything right. You were there, yeah. you know, and I always say that my mom's love helped me to heal. Oh, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, she was right there every step of the way. And so I told her, I said, you did everything that you could. I believe you did everything that you were supposed to do. And you were a force of presence. You were there. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your best moment? You know, <laughs> my best moment um, was having, making, being forced to make that time to share with my mom. Um, those were my best moments. You know, we were able to laugh and joke and talk before I started feeling too bad. But just having her there, the flip side of that, if I can add something else, the best sure. moment was um, realizing my worth at that time. And realizing that I was not valuing myself the way that I needed to. And so those were my best moments. Oh, what a great message too for mm -hmm. other women. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned this before, but my sister said those first two weeks in the hospital mm -hmm. were good because I spent so much time with her. Yeah. Because I didn't go to work and I was there. And, and she knew I was always there for her, but I worked a lot. I, I really did. And, and it meant so much to her that I was there the whole mm -hmm. time. It matters. It, it matters. matters for people that, you know, they're like, I don't know what to do. My loved one has cancer. They're sick. Just show up for them. Yeah. And, and it'll be, I think it will evolve naturally. Just start to show up and be consistent. Yeah. You know, whenever I have a a difficult time assessing something or, you know, a person, I just, I remind myself that actions do speak louder than words. Yeah. So people will often say things that they don't mean or because they don't know how to handle a situation, but it does mean a lot when someone shows up. Mm -hmm. It means mm -hmm. a lot. It does. Yeah. Tell me what is one thing you wish you had known at the beginning and you decide when the beginning is, if, 
whether it's when you actually got diagnosed or when you had that lump the year before and, and knew you had it? I would say when I actually got that diagnosis, I wish I had known. Well, let's take it back before, before the diagnosis. I wish I had known how cancer impacts every area of your life. I didn't know very much about cancer. I knew the basics, probably what most people know and are shown. You know, there's a very frail person um, who is in the hospital walking down the hall with an IV and no hair. And uh, that's just not the, the true image of every cancer patient. Of course, there are people that are really, you know, at that stage, going through it at that level. Um, but everyone with cancer doesn't look sick, you know? Um, yeah. And so I wish I knew that cancer wasn't just a physical thing at that time. I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that cancer impacted every of your life, uh, your emotional health, spiritual, just your overall well-being, your finances, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. that that was a lot to take in, a lot of changes to take in. And cancer isn't just physical. I wish I had known that. Oh, that's such good insight. Such good mm-hmm. insight. Talia, if you could only do one thing, to change healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? Yes, if I could do one thing, I would make it so anyone and everyone would have equitable access to healthcare and the care that they need specific to them. Mm-hmm. And I say that because a lot of people are dying unnecessarily because they don't have the equitable care. Um, and that could be for many reasons, race, uh, income level, uh, they live in a rural area where they don't have a high level of medical care. It could be a vast array of things. And so um, and that's why I say that I feel like like water, everyone deserves to have clean, healthy water. Everyone deserves health care, quality, equitable health care. I'm glad that you brought up income and rural populations. I'm Mm -hmm. really glad you did because I think that's so significant. I think there's this perception, at least when I speak with corporate people, that everyone is seeing an NCI cancer center. Everyone has access, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not true. That's Mm -hmm. certainly not been my experience talking with people at all. The majority of people are seen in a community oncology setting. Yeah. That's very accurate, Andrea. And um, I do work on a clinical trial campaign here in Minnesota, and that is huge. Uh, The rural populations, the Black populations, uh, Native American or Indigenous populations, immigrants, uh, people with other disabilities, they're not getting, it's just so much. And, um, you know, with it, Clinical trials, if I can just touch on that a little bit. Please, absolutely. There needs to be more access to that and education to that as well. Because again, people are dying because they don't have the access, they don't have the education, they're not being offered clinical trials. And sometimes for people, they've run out of options. A clinical trial could save their life, but they end up dying because they weren't offered one or they didn't know about it or just just so many different things. The historical factors of research, there just needs to be so much more work done in that area. 
Yeah. Oh gosh. I couldn't agree more. There's such a misperception too about clinical trials. If you even know what they are, mm -hmm. there's such a misperception about yeah. them. So yes. All right. Talay, are you ready to line things up? I'm ready. Okay. All right. <laughs> Here are the Thriver rapid fire questions. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach. Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Which island? <laughs> Maui. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never been to Hawaii. Like, Beautiful, Andrea. I know. Oh, I know. It's on it's, the bucket list. <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> and I used to live, you know, somewhat closer by plane when I lived in LA, but not so much oh, now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? I would have to say Beatles. And um, I say that because I like Paul McCartney and the song that he did with Michael Jackson, uh, I believe it was Say, 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 Say. say, yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> this yes. is how I know we're close to the same age. <laughs> what is uh, one word that best describes you? Well, I would have to say um, I get this a lot, calm. That must help a lot of people. That's what I hear. That yeah. um, is very helpful, especially uh, for the work that I do. And then also in those very tense and sometimes awkward situations, um, I hear that that's very helpful. Yeah. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Purple Rain. Purple Rain. I knew it was coming because we've spoken before, <laughs> but still in head. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this is the best. Um, That's okay. right. <laughs> what about the last meal you want to eat? I would have to say my grandmother's Louisiana gumbo. Ooh, do you have the recipe? I hope. I do. And right now I'm, I'm vegan, but Hey, if I know my last days tomorrow, I'm cheating all the way and I'm having that. <laughs> of course. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> what about the last person or people you want to see? Uh, my mom and my brother were all very close. And so, um, if I could see them last, I would love that. I don't have children or else I would say them, but does your brother, brother live close by as well? He does. He, well, now we're about an hour and 20 minutes apart, but he did at one point. <laughs> nice. And the last words you will speak. Um, don't give up. Don't give up. Um, you know, life is not over because you've received a cancer diagnosis. And aside from cancer, you, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers, and please tell people how they can get in touch with you. If it's okay, I would like to mention my organization on the other side. Yes. Um, I do support cancer patients as well as caregivers. Um, you can find me at ontheotherside.life. Again, that's ontheotherside.life. And I'm happy to talk with you. What a great domain name, by the way. Thank you. Your so life. Good. Yeah, we yes. got to think about life. Yes, <laughs> I, I think it's great. Thank well, you. Talia, thank you so much for doing this again and making it work. Thank you so much. You're, you are calm and in, you're inspirational thank you. in, in the way that you're calm. Do you know what I mean? Sort of, you know, yeah. um, 
you sometimes people tell you what they see in you and then you're like okay well maybe I am so I kind of get what you're saying <laughs> do you know what I mean because yeah, I do so many people panic yeah mm -hmm. that's true and I can see how many people are attracted to you because I think subconsciously we all want to know that there's someone who's not going to panic yeah yeah so thank you so much thank you thank you Andrea for having me uh, thank you for your interest in me and my story. And thank you for everything that you do to shine light on all the people in the cancer community. You're doing wonderful work, Andrea. It's, a, it's an honor. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.